When it comes to running a campaign, money is an essential part of helping hopeful candidates get their message out to the public in order to garner a majority amount of votes. Advertising is not free by any means, and it is extremely expensive to hire a competent campaign staff that can help you maximize your message. How do potential nominees get money to run, then? Do they have to use their own money in order to be successful? While having your own money could potentially be helpful, most campaigns rely on donors to help them win elections. Oh, so singular citizens can just send the nominee money so that they can help the candidate get elected? Yes, they can. Citizens can contribute money directly to parties and candidates, but those donations have limits. Every calendar year, individuals can give a maximum of $30,800 to a national political party committee, such as the Republican National Committee, and the ceiling for individual contributions to a candidate is $2,500 per election. A way for candidates to get even more money, however, is through political action committees, or PACs. A political action committee? What's that? A political action committee is a nonprofit and nonpartisan organization that tracks money in politics. Traditional PACs represent businesses, labor unions, or ideological interests. The examples would be the Microsoft PAC, the Teamsters PAC, and the National Rifle Association PAC. An organization's PAC will solicit money from the group's employees or members and make contributions in the name of the PAC to candidates and political parties. This is a much more effective way of gathering large sums of money from people because a greater amount of small donations can be pooled together to create a larger amount of money toward the candidate or political party. Oh, I see. I'm assuming then that there are limitations on what a PAC could give, right? There's no way that a large group could donate an unlimited amount of money. That would be a ridiculous advantage. Well, you're half right about that statement. Similar to private citizens, there is a limit on what PACs can give. The amount of money PACs can give per election, meaning a primary, general, or special election, is capped at $5,000 per candidate. Additionally, PACs can give no more than $15,000 each year to a national party. And when it comes to actually raising the money they can use to contribute to candidates or political parties, PACs also face limitations. Individuals can give no more than $5,000 a year to a PAC. That's comforting. That means a lot of candidates will have to rely on their strength as an individual to get elected and garner donations, rather than having businesses give them millions so that they can have a disproportionate advantage. Sadly, that's where the second part of this comes in. As of July 22, 2010, the Federal Election Committee greenlighted super PACs, all but eliminating the previous financial donation limitations. Thanks to the FEC ruling, Individuals, corporations, and unions can now contribute unlimited cash to super PACs, which essentially means there's no ceiling on how much money is injected into elections. That's crazy! Please tell me there's some kind of limitation on what super PACs can do. The one main prohibition placed on super PACs, aside from having to report their expenditures and contributors to the FEC, is they cannot coordinate directly with the campaign staff of individual candidates. Regular PACs have to abide by these same mandates as well. There's also another key difference. Super PACs can't contribute directly to candidates the way PACs do. The money Super PACs raise can only be used for such things as creating TV or radio ads supporting or denouncing particular candidates. Still, radio and TV time are very expensive to purchase. Now with media becoming a larger part of our everyday lives, having the ability to run a large amount of ads seems extremely helpful to winning elections in this day and age. How could this possibly be allowed? The roots of all this started back in 2004 with a conservative group, Citizens United, a nonprofit corporation who were displeased with Michael Moore's documentary, Fahrenheit 9-11, which was highly critical of former President George W. Bush's handling of the two 2001 terrorist attacks on the United States. You mean to tell me that all of this started over some film that a nonprofit didn't like? Don't most people find problems with movies? Yes, but what was special about this was the timing of when the documentary was released. Citizens United said that commercials for Moore's film violated the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, 
which prohibited corporations and unions from funding TV ads advocating for the victory or defeat of a candidate within 30 days of a primary or 60 days of a general election. The FEC dismissed the complaint. The FEC rightfully dismissed the claim then. It was a documentary, not any sort of attack ad. This is true. However, Citizens United came back during the 2008 election when they created a movie about Hillary Clinton during her primary run. Citizens United produced a political documentary titled Hillary, the movie, which was highly unflattering of the former first lady. The group also attempted to buy airtime for ads touting the film, but in January of 2008, a U.S. district court ruled that the advertisements violated the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002. Citizens United appealed to the ruling of the district court, and the Supreme Court took up the case and heard arguments in 2009. They had it repealed? But the attack ads that were produced by Citizens United were clearly within the 30 days of a primary election. Shouldn't it have just failed on the spot? While you might think this, the Supreme Court announced this decision in early 2010, and it was one of the most contentious in recent history. The court split largely along ideological lines and ruled 5-4 to four in favor of the notion that the government cannot place restrictions on election spending by corporations. This was shocking to the public as there was a number of previous cases before this one that vehemently opposed large amounts of money being spent on political candidates. On what grounds did they change their mind? Seems like a sudden switch just to allow money all of a sudden for campaigns. According to a new interpretation of the Constitution, and the majority justices, including conservatives Chief Roberts, Kennedy, and Scalia, declared that banning or limiting the amount of money corporations could spend on elections, even for commercials, was tantamount to limiting free speech. In their decision, they argued that putting money towards a group that had the ability to participate in speech, commercials, and ads was a viable form of free speech, and the government had no right to put limits on that. Well, I guess there's no going back after that decision. What does this mean for the future of campaigns and elections? It didn't take long after the Citizens United case for super PACs to begin impacting elections. The FEC ruling that introduced super PACs occurred just a few months before the 2010 midterm elections, and it's likely that the decisions helped Republicans achieve their resounding victory, which included retaking the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. According to the Center for Responsive Politics, conservative super PACs were responsible for 55% of all the spending by super PACs in the midterms, while their liberal counterparts accounted for only 44% of the total expenditures. Oh, great. Another partisan issue. I'm sure this will polarize the nation even further then, right? How right you are. It is thought that super PACs may contribute to a coarsening of an already hyper-negative political process. After all, coordination between super PACs and candidates is prohibited, and if a candidate doesn't like what a super PAC is saying, then there isn't anything they can do to stop it. A super PAC may opt to take an even more negative tone than a candidate would choose to take. They have the ability to say pretty much whatever they want, whenever they want, no matter how partisan or scathing. Well, this is rather depressing. Is there anything that we can do to try and counteract this? As we have been saying before, it is vital that you look into the facts yourself when determining who to vote for. Take the negative attack ads with a grain of salt and try to figure out what is right for yourself. If you go to the polls, make sure to consider how much money each candidate has gotten for their campaign. Candidates who receive large amounts of money from these super PACs tend to pass legislation that will benefit the corporations who donated them. This means they will probably not have the citizens' needs in mind when they make legislative decisions. I'll make sure to keep that in mind next time I vote. I had no idea that there was so much going on behind the scenes in campaign finance. You bet. Make sure to read into all your candidates before you vote. You betcha. <laughs> you betcha.